Good afternoon, good evening. This is Dove Tusman, and you are on equal footing again. We like to tackle controversial subjects, things in our spiritual life and our daily life that present problems uh, of faith, questions of theodicy. Is, does God exist if suffering is so prevalent? That type of thing. We debate sometimes topics that get me close to getting kicked off the air. We've talked about the Dovod Melech, David from Humash, from the Torah, from the Bible, and whether he was a moral man. We've talked about issues related to the ego in in Moshe Rabbeinu's life and Moses' life. Was he an egotist or an altruist? These types of things. Well, tonight it's a bit lighter. Maybe the topic, at least on the surface, seems that way. We've entitled this program somewhat cheekily Jewish Numerology 101. You've probably gotten a window into this before, even if you are just passing in your understanding of or your relationship with Judaism. You know, the importance of the number seven, for example. Shabbat, Shabbos falls on the seventh day of the week. Passover and Sukkot are celebrated for seven days in Israel. When an immediate relative dies, God forbid, in Judaism, we sit Shiva, which literally means seven, for seven days. Moses was born and died on the seventh day of the Hebrew month of Adar. The plagues in Egypt each lasted seven days. The menorah in the temple had seven branches, etc., etc., etc. Even in a Jew, etc. And in a Jewish wedding, the bride traditionally circles the groom seven times underneath the wedding canopy, the chuppah. Okay, you've heard probably about the number eighteen. Chai literally means life, but we associate it as well as the luckiest number. Why? We'll find out. The numbers four and forty appear all over in Judaism. The four matriarchs, the four patriarchs, the four wives of Jacob, and of course, the 40 being a multiple of four, the 40 days of pouring rain that Noah and the people of earth uh, faced the, the 40 years that the Israelites were led through the desert, followed by the 40 days that Moses spent on Mount Sinai. Is this a coincidence, these repetition of these numbers? Well, part of our belief system as Jews is that it isn't at all a coincidence. In fact, there's a whole branch of the Jewish faith that tackles the spiritual interpretation and meaning of numbers. It's called gematria. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to stress test it a little bit. And our guest has bravely joined us tonight to help us do that. I think it was about a year ago or so that Rabbi Pinchas Taylor joined us on the supernatural in Judaism. He has such a gift in in helping to address the mysterious elements of our faith, things that some would call superstition, but 
others think would call part of the articles of our faith. Rabbi Taylor wrote the Jewish guide, a Jewish guide to the mysterious. It was published in, published in 2020 by Mosaica Press. And Rabbi Taylor is the director of adult education outreach at the Chabad of Plantation, Florida. He's lectured to dozens of people, uh, every week. He has an online following in the tens of thousands. Rabbi Taylor is a respected life coach, author, and lecturer. He's spoken across the globe in a wide variety of venues. Rabbi Pinchas Taylor has a show called Taylor Talks. It provides weekly inspiration as well as promoting universal values and themes. He regularly has celebrity guests and athletes and other public figures on his show that help frame those themes and give it extra widespread appeal. Check out his interviews. They've been featured nationally and on cable networks. Clips can be seen on his YouTube channel, which is Pinchas Taylor. That's P-I-N-C-H-A-S Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, Pinchas Taylor on YouTube. Rabbi Taylor, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me. Last year's show was so much fun. <laughs> Do it again. It was uh, we were talking about golem and other elements that you know are seep into our understanding. But often, I think as adult Jews, we're embarrassed to ask about. At least I am at some point. And I think numerology it kind of falls into that category. I kind of remember at times learning why these numbers were important. I don't know if now I'm supposed to think they're important. Is that superstition? Is there like a system for, for, for us to use to understand them? So, and for non-Jewish listeners, because Rabbi Taylor, one of the great things about your ministry work and what you do is that you appeal to a widespread audience, not just, not just Jewish listeners. And we have mostly Jewish listeners, but not all in this, on this network. Um, Stay tuned because you'd be surprised how much of Jewish numerology actually makes its way into the broader culture in ways you may not know. Rabbi Taylor, get us started though. What, what is Jewish numerology? When people say this, use this term gematria, what, what does it mean at its essence? So it's, um, the, the Torah in general can be understood on multiple layers. There's the simple meaning, there's uh, certain allusions and uh, hints that the Torah is hinting to, and then there's a mystical meaning. So the gematria numerology tends to fall into what the Torah is hinting at, and it's often thought as like a, uh, like a seasoning or like a spice to, to a truth that is inherent in reality. So what it does is it takes the Hebrew alphabet and assigns a number to each of the Hebrew letters. So the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is Aleph, and so the number associated with it is the number one. And uh, similarly with the second letter, base, and the, that number would be two, and, and so forth, And until so you can have words, phrases, uh, that add up to certain numbers. And oftentimes you'll see two words that have the same numeric value, and they'll have some sort of connection with each other. Now, it's also, I want to stress that it's not something that's meant to be willy-nilly, that anyone that has, like, a calculator uh, can just uh, go making calculations and say, oh, this word and this word both have the same numeric value, so uh, they, they must be related somehow. Unless we have a tradition uh, associated with those two words or those phrases or, or whatnot, 
we, we tend to not give it too much thought, but, but it is a, an extra added sort of, uh, spicy angle when two concepts or two words, uh, not only are connected in an inherent truth, but when they actually have the same numeric value. It's the icing on the cake. So, just to kind of a little bit of a shout out to our wonky and nerdy listeners. Uh, we're not going to go through what could be a multi hour discussion around this actual system, but just to be fair, it's not, there are various ways of assigning the numerical numerical value to these Hebrew letters and words. It's not just um, a universal system. Some of them are like, there's an ordinal classification. You can use a single digit, multiple digits, stuff like that. Just kind of acknowledging up that, that up front is that is that correct? There are different systems that actually come up with the with the numbers for each letter or word. Correct. There, are, there. Are, the, the one that I the one that I was just describing is the most basic, most straightforward. But there, there's one called uh, that that goes to the fullness of of the letter. So, in other words, Aleph rather than being equal to one would be equal to if you spelled out the letter Aleph with letters, spelling it out Aleph Lamid Fay. So it would equal the full spelling of the letter Aleph, or there is a way of doing of, of doing numerology where you uh, sort of trade letters. In other words, it's called Atbash, where the Aleph is equal, uh, in, rather than being one, you give it the value of the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Rather than giving it the, the first letter, right, Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, you give, you assign it, you trade it with the, the last letter. And the same thing with base, the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, you trade it with the second to last letter, sort of like a, a reverse gemash. There's a lot of different systems, and through using each one with the tradition associated with it, there's a lot of interesting connections between things in the universe. Right. So let's stay at the edge of that rabbit hole because there have actually been people that have dedicated their lives over many centuries, many generations of scholars on these different systems. And let's let's keep it somewhat abstract just to allow folks to to uh, get a window into this spiritually or at least, you know, pique some interest. Give us an example uh, like a prime example of a very um, broadly, maybe there's a consensus around a certain number and its meaning in the the word and the number connection from a spiritual perspective in Judaism. Well, one of, one of the ones that I like, um, this is just one that I happen to like, is the um, there, there's a phrase in the Talmud, an entire phrase. Uh, and the, the meaning of the phrase, it, the, the Aramaic phrase is called the Avid Rahman Latav Avid. Everything that God does, He does for good. In other words, that, that's, that's, that was a sort of a mantra that, that was used by one of the sages, uh, Rabbi Akiva. Called the Avid Rahman Latav Avid. So the, that entire phrase, everything God does, He does for good, actually has the same numeric value of, of 611. The word the word, the numeric value of the word Torah. And the, the sort of the meaning behind that is that a person who fills, fills, uh, person who fills their mind with the positive light of Torah builds within themselves the conception of everything God does, he does for good. That's one of my favorites. That's a cool one. That's actually not one that I looked at in the pregame research, so you stumped me. That's cool. Uh, so, hey, some I like to keep, to it, keep it interesting, a little twist. <laughs> you gave me an unexpected one. So, <laughs> this is not just a, 
a Jewish system. It, 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 you know, history shows that it, it probably was most developed as a in numerical and spiritual interpretive system within the Jewish faith. But there's evidence of numerology as connected to the spiritual journey all the way back to the Sumerian civilization, certainly ancient Egyptian civilizations um, back um, at least from a historian's perspective, predating the kind of constitution of, of the, of the people of, of Israel. And then of course there's this, uh, maybe I shouldn't say of course, so I haven't geeked out on this, but, uh, numerology also makes its way through the mathematical and scientific world through Pythagoras, the inventor of the Pythagorean theorem, who believed that the entire world was interpreted through numbers that had actually energetic vibration. Is this, is numerology at this point, primarily a Jewish thing, so to speak, or is this, is this actually a shared kind of school of inquiry that, that, that most religions have? Well, I think that it's stressed mostly in Judaic thought. I mean, there are other groups out there that connect themselves with ancient cultures and ancient texts and like to use numerology for their own purposes. One of the interesting things, though, that that I, that I think from a Torah mindset is, is, is actually quite fascinating is in the, in the Torah's development of creation, where you start with Adam and Eve, and they have children and children's children, and you have ten generations until Noah, and then ten generations more until Abraham, who is considered the first Jew. Well, that's 20 generations there of people who had different who had different understandings of certain Torah concepts. After all, one of the foundations of a, of a traditional Torah approach is that the Torah is the blueprint of creation. It actually predates creation, and God utilized the Torah in the same way that an architect would use a blueprint to, to uh, or that a, that a builder would use a, a blueprint to construct a house. And... Um, and uh, being that that's the case, Adam and Eve and and certain righteous people who descended from them had their own uh, had had understandings, and those as as people spread throughout the world, they got a little bit convoluted and 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 changed and morphed and and whatnot. But they're all rooted in in some of the same sort of. Uh, ideas, and so you'll find that's why you'll find across the board in many different cultures very similar ideas, things in in astrological systems, uh, things understandings of reincarnation, or other spiritual matters. You'll find a certain degree of shared unity in uh, throughout different cultures, yeah. and I think numerology is probably one of those uh, in, a, in a very interesting sort of way. Yeah, and in the other Abrahamic faiths, in Christianity and in Islam, there's a, there are also systems. In actually, in Christianity, it's also often called gematria, an interpretive system for the uh, the the Christian Bible, and then there's also the abjad system in 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 Islam. So this really does make it through, make its way through. Kind of logographically, a lot of different um, faith systems. We're talking about Jewish numerology, uh, gematria. It actually comes from the same Greek word uh, etymologically as geometry, and uh, which literally is like knowledge of writing, which is wild because you'd think it'd be about numbers, but actually geometry means knowledge of writing. We're talking here with Rabbi Pinchas Taylor. Before we go to our first break, Rabbi. Uh, when you talk about Jewish numerology and gematria, you immediately think of Kabbalah, the mystical side of the faith. That, that's uh, 
that's often thought to be um, something you shouldn't study until kind of later in life. Are there different forms of Jewish num- numerology? Is there kind of an on-limits area that we can study and then kind of an off-limits area where we really need guidance? Well, yeah, like anything else, um, there, there are different gradations. I mean, like mathematics, for example, are we talking about 1 plus 1 equals 2 or are we talking about trigonometry and calculus. There's, they're all in the category of mathematics, but you wouldn't teach a first grader, uh, you wouldn't begin with calculus, you'd start with 1 plus 1 equals 2 and why that works and sort of build towards that. So there are some forms of gematria or, or certain um, ideas that are expressed that are, are really relevant to everyone and something that that anyone can understand, certain uh, basic hints that when the Torah says this, it's talking about that as well. Uh, for example, uh, we, we learned that Jacob, our forefather, he, he says, for example, is one of the famous ones. He says, uh, Im Lavan Garti, I dwelled with Lavan, I dwelled with Laban, uh, my relative. And, uh, the, the, the commentary say Garti it has the same numeric value as Taryag as 613, hinting at the fact that even while he was with the swindler Lavan, Laban, that he kept the, the 613 commandments. He, he was a he was a full proud Jew, observant Jew, despite being in uh, shady conditions. And, that, and that's again, that's that's, that's a that's gematria, right. but that's again teaching us a simple fact about the life of Jacob. Coincidence or not? I think <laughs> not. <laughs> we'll be right back. We're talking to Rabbi Pinchas Taylor about the mystical field of gematria the spiritual interpretation of words, letters and words in numerical form, the computations involved. We'll be right back. (laughs) Remember the X-Files? All right. Well, equal footing is about tackling subjects. Tonight's a lighter topic, but often tackling subjects that are really difficult to talk about. And in that spirit, our wonderful sponsor, Manhattan Medical, encourages you to talk about erectile dysfunction. It is nothing to be ashamed of. It it can involve great turmoil in couples causing emotional pain when you're unable to have enjoyable sex. There are Solutions out there that don't involve those expensive blue pills that many people can't take because of side effects and comorbidities. Manhattan Medical utilizes a different effective therapy for erectile dysfunction. It's called Gainswave, and it's been around for quite a while in Europe and Canada, more recently in the United States. Gainswave's therapy for ED has no side effects for almost all patients has wonderful and enduring results, including people that are over 80 years old. Call Manhattan Medical. You don't, you do not have to be in Manhattan or the New York boroughs from anywhere in the United States. You can get a telehealth consult. If you mention that you heard about Manhattan Medical's gains wave therapy for ED on equal footing, you get a free consultation. That is not a throwaway. That's a $250 value. Call 888 EDQR9. That's 888 EDQR9. Or in numbers. On a numerological show. Maybe there's some meaning in this. Actually, the number 8 has, is uh, considered the luckiest number, I believe, in Chinese culture. I'm way off a tangent, aren't I? Okay. 
888-338-8739. That's the number for Manhattan Medical for their ED therapy. 888-332-8739. Call now. Mention you heard about it on Equal Footing and you get a free consultation. That's a $250 value. Call now. I've been caught. All right, Rabbi Taylor, we're talking about Jewish numerology. I'm going to give out the number to participate in tonight's program, and you can text in a comment or question. I promised you in the pregame that I was just going to quiz you without any, uh, you know, upfront warning about different numbers. And I, I would just, I'm going to throw a number out there and maybe give us, if you can, the mystical Jewish, uh, meaning or energetic vibration of this number. Twelve. I like the word energetic vibration. That sounds so spooky. Um, the, the number 12 is, there, there are 12 constellations. There are also um, 12 months of the year. There are 12 um, tribes. And so the number 12 symbolizes the divine flow, the, the flow of divine energy into creation, that the, the constellations and the months of the year are what facilitates a certain type of divine energy. Each month has its own sort of unique energy associated with it, uh, as indicated by its constellation sign. And when we talk about the 12 tribes of Israel, that each tribe has its own uh, unique ability, its own unique power, some unique talent, uh, and, that, and each together uh, create the divine flow or facilitate the, a, a unique aspect of the divine flow into creation, spreading it to the world. Ah, so it is vibrational. <laughs> I love it. All right, call in, participate, ask us a question about a number, tell us why you think all this is gobbledygook or not. The number is 718-303-9090. That's to participate live. You can do so, you can mention your name or do so anonymously. 718-303-9090. Be patient if you call in because Dimitri's often alone, you know, alone in the studio sometimes and, uh, give him a chance to pick up. If you want to text in a question or comment on this subject to Rabbi Pinchas Taylor or give us your observation, don't call this number just for texting or WhatsApping 917-428-4062 on the topic of Jewish numerology, the mystical field of gematria, 917- Four two eight four zero six two. Rabbi, let's get something out of the way in terms of kind of the science side of this. Uh, there was a uh, a publication in the Statistical Science Journal, a very serious academic journal, by three mathematicians and scholars. It's called the Equidistant Letter Sequences in the Book of Genesis. It was by. Uh, uh, Doran Whitstam and uh, Eliyahu Rips and Yoav Rosenberg, um, published, uh, uh, about 20 years, yeah, about 20 years ago, 1994. And it actually brought the field of gematria kind of into the academic debate. There were later kind of controversial books around it that, that were more, um, what's the word? Stylized, the Bible code and the Bible code too, et cetera. But basically these scholars posited that that within the Bible there is a hidden within Chumash within the Torah there's a hidden code and there's a key to unlocking that code and they went through this in a very detailed way and proposed that this was a primary if not the primary way to interpret Torah. 
as the someone who's never going to probably have a chance to read that in detail, listening to the show, is there any truth to that? Should, should, if, if if there's a Jewish listener who who really wants to get more into their their faith and learn new things, is this an area where you should really spend a lot of energy? This uh, gematria, I, I would I would say not not necessarily. Um, not, not that it's not that it's not that there's anything bad or wrong or are factually incorrect about it, but we have to always kind of like keep things in perspective. And in fact, we have a tradition that unless the, unless two shared numeric values have a, you know, we're taught by a certain holy source and are, we have a tradition of these words or concepts being associated with each other that we don't really lend it all that much value. I can't just take out my calculator and find some words that, that match up to each other and just say, aha, you know, I have, I've, I've, I've discovered that these two words are related to each other, obviously. Well, it's, it's, that's not the way that it works. It has to have an inherited tradition with it. And again, it, the, the icing on the cake in their connection is the fact that they have the same numeric value. It's an indicator of something that, that was inherently true, that this is sort of, again, a condiment uh, to it, that, like, wow, that's, that, that makes it extra juicy. So it's, it is a condiment. It is icing on the cake. We don't eat icing. We eat cake. You know, it's 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 to flavor the it's to flavor the cake. It's to flavor the steak, not to be eaten in its own right. Uh, it, I don't know. Sometimes you, that's, you that's, up that's the only way I'll eat certain foods if they have the right spice or, or exactly. Or well, and exactly. I, and I think there are some of us. In fact, we I was going to mention this, and one of our listeners just just uh, mentioned it as well. So let let there are there seems to be a tribe of people around the world that focus on certain uh, numbers coming up on the clock every day. And I have to admit, I don't think I've ever admitted this in any kind of public. I do that, and I do it with 1111, I do it with 1212, I do it with 444 and 222. Like I'll like share whether it's my business partner, my life partner. When I see it, I'll sometimes share that, oh, you know, we're on the right track. We're talking about this subject, and it just hit 1111. Is that, that is obviously superstitious. Um, but it can, is there any basis for that, for certain numbers as, 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 as they come up on the, on the clock each day and, um, and connecting that to our spiritual lives, our lives as, as observant Jews? I'm not, I'm not really aware of any, or that the inherent number on the clock, um, has any sort of spiritual meaning. There, there is an interesting idea that how each hour of the day does have sort of a manifestation of the divine name that is attached to it and that each hour as a as an hour uh, you know the kind of the same way that we think about the 12 months of the year having a zodiac sign connected with it that each month has a a divine a a a a, 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 a representation of the connected with it and also each hour of the day but that's not to say that like 1111 because of the graphic 1111 or that, that even 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 when it's 613 you know in the evening uh that that has any connection with the number 613 or mm-hmm. numbers in general i i think that gets more into the realm of superstition yeah. again the 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 differentiation between superstition and something mystical from a torah from a torah vantage point is does it have an in, an inherent tradition connected with it do have our sages discussed that at 1111 on you know that's an auspicious time if the answer is no 
and it's superstition. Mm. Yeah, and I, th- I think to and per- per- permit me being a little clunky in my approach, maybe to spiritual life, but I think anything that brings us closer mm-hmm. to the uh, you know awareness of how we sit uh, related to Hashem and to uh, the universe around us and people that we love, I think is something good, whether it comes from superstition or not. Um, but I hear you in terms of being tied actually to any kind of customer tradition or certainly not halacha or Jewish law. I, I, I hear that. Let's get to a less controversial one that I think is. Not well, really Bill, can I, can I, can I, Bill, can I partially agree and push back a little on that? Of course. So let, let, I, just, I, I, I agree with you that, that different things, not necessarily depending on what the resource is, they can, if they add a certain degree of, of you know, spirituality or, or self-improvement to our life, and they, they're a good thing, and I, I, I certainly agree with that. I think there's, it's important to recognize, though, that if what you are coming upon is something that you are creating, you know, even if it makes you better this time, if you get too, if a person gets too caught up in that pattern of sort of creating their own ideas and their own religion, for lack of a better term, uh, they can, they can be led to a very, a very skewed sort of place. You know, we have to think, remember yeah. the word, there's, Kabbalah there's literally means received. Yeah. I, I hear right. you. Right. Right. So Kabbalah literally means received. And so it has to be something that kind of was, passed on from our sages as opposed to something that, you know, every time I, I feel that 1111 is lucky, so every time I see 1111, I, I get in a good mood. Well, okay, maybe that's benign, but if, if you do that too often with too many different things, you're really getting in the realm of superstition. That's all I'm saying. Okay, before our next break, how about seven? I think that's one that actually does kind of get into the lane of teaching and what and and some of the the sages' wisdom. Talk talk to us about the number seven in Judaism. Sure. So seven represents the completion of the natural order. So when God creates the world, He does it in seven days, uh, right? Seven days. There's seven days in the week. There are seven years in the in the sabbatical cycle. There are seven continents. There are seven colors of the rainbow, Roy G. Biv. There are seven music notes on the music scale. So whether we're talking about uh, time, place, you know, uh, we're, uh, geography, whatever we're talking about, number seven is symbolic of the natural order of things. And the mystics also teach that within a person that there are seven emotional potentials that our that are embedded in our soul and they are ways in which our emotions express themselves based on these seven sort of character traits putting my neck out there but those are the those are represented also by the 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 uh wrapping of the tefillin no correct correct all right, we'll be back with Rabbi Pinchas Taylor. We are talking about Jewish numerology, the mystical field of gematria. We're already getting some cool questions and comments. After the break, we will take one of those, which challenges you a little bit on this number seven, Rabbi. We'll be right back. Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. 
To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. What show on a religious network uh, would have the X-Files theme and these new Puritans? <laughs> Actually, I I love like those like art rockers. Uh, that's a song called Un Papier, which is about numerology, actually. Okay. Uh, Rabbi, we talked about the number seven before the break and um, how that, that number in, in Judaism, amongst other things, represents the natural order of things. And got an almost immediate response that, uh, in fact, seven is universally recognized in various religions as the most important number. The listener writes it in the Catholic religion. There are seven sacraments. There are seven daily sins. There are seven virtues, seven deadly sins, not daily sins, pardon me, seven deadly sins, seven virtues. In Hinduism, there are seven rishis and teachers. In the Muslim tradition, there are seven heavens and seven hells. Um, is is seven just a kind of sacred number uh, period? What, what do we do with this this information? Well, yeah. When we when we say these, when we believe that a concept is embedded in the Torah, that means that means it's a universal truth. Many other faiths and belief systems out there have encountered. Uh, truth. It, we, no one, no one in the Jewish world says or should say that there is no truth to be found in any of the other belief systems in the world. Uh, there, there's, there's one source of everything, and, and any any group of people can can have truthful things, truthful ideas that that they've been taught or that they teach or that they've discovered for themselves. That's, that's there's nothing contradictory about that. So yeah, the number seven is. Is one of those kind of, and you and you see it in the days of the week, what across you know across civilizations that each culture tends to that seven days in the week was always kind of like the standard of of the days in the week. It's you know it's it's like well why you know that, that's 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 pretty much the number that that was inherited from uh, from from the generations before going all the way back to, to Adam and Eve. I mean some cultures tried to change it and shift it and make their own thing, but they never ended up working out. They always reverted back. Everyone. Now works on this seven-day scale. Okay, I, I hear you. Let's talk about the number six for a moment. Um, there's a listener, Andrew, who writes in asking about the the biblical quote unquote number of the beast, um, which is the number six six six, and also has heard that in Judaism the number for uh, Satan for Satan is uh, three two four. What is the difference? Can you walk us through that? Well, I'm unfamiliar with the, the fact that Satan is three two four. That's I'm not I'm not sure what the what the source is for that. I'd, I'd be happy to kind of look into that. I'm, I'm not sure offhand. Um, and six 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 as being sort of the mark of the beast is is not from uh, Judaic tradition. That's more from uh, you know Christian tradition. So I've 
probably present that question more to a theologian, uh, a Christian theologian, to give a more, uh, you know, a more broad, a, more, a greater understanding of that, of why that's the mark of the beast. Gotcha. So there's an invitation to any listener out there before the end of the show to write us in about the 324. Maybe, Drew, you can give us some more education on that. And, uh, and yes, the, the, there's, you know, we did a show on the concept of the demonization of the other and the concept of Satan and, and so forth. And, uh, about a month or two ago, and it was, it was fascinating. And I won't go into it uh, here in detail other than to say that it isn't really Sorry to disappoint. Um, this concept of the consummate evil isn't really a Jewish concept, not in terms of the devil or, or Satan. That's much more of a Christian concept. Go to SoundCloud and check out that that show. All right, let's throw out another number, uh, Rabbi. Uh, we alluded to it at the outset of the program, 40. And this is an interesting one because in our pregame research, we couldn't find 40 being an important number other than in Judaism, by extension, of course, um, in in Christianity and Islam, as arguably kind of the, kind of theological offshoots of, of Judaism, but it doesn't appear in the Eastern traditions. Whereas a lot of these other single digit numbers and even other ones like eighteen and twenty four do. What's up with forty? Forty is a very interesting number. It, it symbolizes purification, and so that's why you find that the rains from the flood of Noah. Are, are lasting for 40 days and for 40 nights. Uh, when you build a mikvah, which is, serves as a purification uh, ritual, the mikvah, the, the amount of water, goes in the measurement of the minimum of 40 saw. So as the, is the, um, is the measurement, like, like gallons, a saw, 40 saw is, is the minimum for a, a mikvah, uh, which is why the, the rains lasted specifically 40 days and 40 nights, because aside from being sort of a, a punishment and a start over for the world, aside for Noah and his family, it was a purification process for the world. Uh, we find when the Israelites, uh, when they leave the land of Egypt and they and they sin with the spies. They send spies into the land of Israel. The spies bring back a, a negative report of, of the land, and the people cry about it, and they don't want to go into the land. They say God's not going to be able to bring us there. And so it's decreed, since the spies spent 40 days and 40, night, uh, 40 days to spy out the land, uh, the, the punishment of that, or the sort of like the consequence of that, uh, of all the Jews sort of crying and saying that we're not going to go into the land and it's going to be too hard for us and not not having faith, was to wait 40 years wandering in the desert, which sort of cleared out that generation and now allowed the next generation to be the ones to go into the land of Israel. It was sort of a purification process for the Israelites that the that a, that a nation that believed in God a bit more would be the nation that entered into the land. Hmm. That's that's fascinating. I, it, there's a question here from a listener about odd and even numbers. So Ruti asks, says that she's heard that in our faith, odd numbers are lucky and even numbers are unlucky. Why? There are there are certain. Um, Talmudic teachings regarding odd and even numbers. Um, it's hard to say that across the board, odd numbers one way, even numbers a different way, because everything depends on context. Um, there are certain mystical associations with 
you know, odd versus even, but I, I don't, I don't want to give a, an answer that is more case specific. I don't want to give a broad answer to something that's more case specific. There's, there's no, it's not that numbers are lucky, inherently lucky or inherently unlucky. In, depending on what context we're talking about, uh, the numbers can go either way. Okay. So, but there's something there. Ruti didn't pull this out of the air. It's not, it's not out of the air, uh, but I'm, I, I, without, without knowing what specific context she's talking about, you know, I don't want to say uh, seven is an odd number. I mean, is that, that's a good, a very good number, right? But 18 is, is an even number. That's also a very good number. So like, what, you know, we, what context are we talking about that we can, you know, ascribe it to? I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to say something that's out of the context of the, of what, what the question would be. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. You don't want to get in trouble. I get it. <laughs> so Bryn from Greenville, South Carolina, uh, asks uh, you, Rabbi, if you could tell us actually more about the Kabbalistic meaning of the number 666. And he or she, I'm not, I'm sorry, I don't know your gender, Bryn, um, cites the Vilna Goen's commentary on the Zohar that the number 666 actually contains hidden within it exalted and lofty messianic potential. So this 666 thing, according to Bryn, seems like more of a Christian superstition and not something we should be concerned about in Judaism. What do you think? There, there is something there. Um, you know, the, the Vilna Goyen's commentary on the Zohar is a little bit above my pay grade. Um, but, um, no, there is, there is, there is, there is, there is, there is such an idea, um, that it has, there's, there's significance that it has attached to uh, a verse in the book of numbers, uh, the book of numbers, chapter 14, verse seven, uh, verse 17. Um, so there, there is, there's, there's a connection with that. Uh, the, the Vilna Gun's commentary on the Zohar, uh, that the number 666 contains hidden within it, uh, all sorts of messianic potential. Um, but there's, there's no real explanation that I'm aware of that's attached to it of as far as what, um, what that meaning actually is. I, I, I'm unaware of the details and the depths of that particular number. I, I, I have heard and seen that concept before. But I, I am I am unfamiliar with the exact details of it. Okay, before we go to our last break, we've got some, some cool additional listener comments and questions. This is a fun topic. It's engaging, folks. Uh, let's let's throw out one more number here for you in our numbers quiz for uh, Rabbi Taylor. Uh, let's go with the number we referred to eight, lucky number in the Chinese tradition. Um, when I say Chinese, I should say Chinese culture. W- what about the number eight in Judaism? So eight's actually a really cool number um, in Jewish tradition in that it is one step above seven. And we said so seven universally symbolizes the completion of the natural order. Right? We, we said seven days in a week, seven. Uh, we, 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 we went through all the sevens. So the number eight is the first number above the natural order. It's the first sort of, it symbolizes the supernatural, that which is above nature. And that's why that was, that was sort of an interesting indicator in the story of Hanukkah, for example, when it wasn't just happenstance that the, 
that the uh, oil lasted. It was only meant to last for, for one day and it ended up lasting for, for eight days. That wasn't only because of the fact that it, it would take eight days to procure new oil and, and to begin the service again, but also symbolized that the spiritual battle that was going on between the Israelites and Greek worldview uh, where the Greeks wanted everything to be contained specifically into rationalization and into, lo- into logic and, and rational thought, and Judaism believes in a, something that's also super rational and and, and uh, supernatural, not just the natural world, but supernatural. The number eight, the, the having the having the oil last for eight full days. Uh, symbolize that that idea of supernatural that the worldview of su- the, of the supernatural had triumphed over the Greek rational world. Very cool and and easy for me to understand. <laughs> Above the natural order of seven is the supernatural of eight. We'll be right back with Rabbi Pinchas Taylor talking about gematria, Jewish numerology. of Aquarius. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is brought to you in part by Mechanical Art Capital. Mechanical Art Capital, or MAC, offers two-day financing, sometimes even overnight financing for watch collectors and watch dealers from anywhere in the world. Unlock the cash value of your timepiece collection or your inventory if you're a dealer through Mechanical Art Capital's easy to execute buyback contracts. You just download the app, go to the iPhone or Android app store and put in the three words mechanical space art space capital. And when you download the app, you can upload photos of your watches. That's free of charge. You get an appraisal. You can use that for insurance purposes and also just to track the value of your collection. It's pretty cool. The app will show you how to easily raise cash from the watches you appraise. You don't actually have to get rid of them. You just get financing against them. Get some cash in your pocket for your watches. Uh, go to Mechanical Art Capital in the App Store or to their website, which is mechanicalartcapital.com. And you can call as well to get a quote, 833-209-0972. That's for Mechanical Art Capital's financing program for watches, 833-209-0972. Okay, we've got a flood of questions and comments. Very cool. And I'm still waiting for you, Drew, to send us where you got that 324 number as it's related to Satan in Judaism. So the the, the rabbi and I are waiting for you. A challenge. Uh, rabbi, there is a, a listener. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize this, um, this a little bit. Um, Avram is asking about the spiritual computations of... Um, the different forms of, of, of how we refer to God. So he's, he's heard that uh, Elohim, for example, has a more of an earthly meaning, and then there's other ways to refer to God that has more of a heavenly kind of aspect, and that these are represented in numbers. What do you say to Avram? Sure. So the, the name Elohim, for example, which is a name that refers to uh, God's, judgment or or really has uh, god as god reveals himself 
within creation. Uh, it actually has the same numeric value as the word hateva, which means the nature. Uh, so it's interesting that the divine name that is used uh, denoting God within creation, godliness within the confines of creation, uh, actually has the same numeric value as hateva, as the nature. Uh, the, the divine name that which is often called the tetragrammaton, uh, which is a yud with a hey and a vav and a hey, is the numeric value of 26. Um, I, I'm unaware of a of another sort of uh, you know of, an, of another term or, or or whatnot that it that it's connected with, but the the idea is that that is something that is godliness as God transcends the creation. So uh, the, I think the the the, the the key in in this is Elohim, which has the same numeric value. Again, that spice is Hateva, that it, it has to do with godliness, as godliness is uh, connected with creation. I feel so at home in Judaism as a nerd. I just I just love this stuff. <laughs> it's, it's so great. Okay, so Wash, by the way, cool name Wash. Again, I don't know the gender, but cool name, irrespective of gender. Um, Wash asks about um, a person's birth name and how you can apply that to gematria. Um, he or she has heard that the numerical value added to gematria, the person's mother's name, gives the final value is, is divided by 7 and 12 and goes on and on. It's quite confusing to me. If, if you're interested in applying gematria to your name, um, what name, first of all, what name do you use? How, is it related to your mother's name? Your father, how, how do you do that, Rabbi? Well, that, that's a that's a that's a lot of math that you described over there. Um, the the, the um, yeah, I stopped in the middle too. The, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I've I've never come across this this whole uh, math equation. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that numerology is something that we should kind of calculate in our name. There is there is some there are some interesting ideas connected with names though. See, one of the reasons that numerology sort of works and makes sense from a Jewish mindset is that the the letters of the Torah are considered to be uh, the creative force that God utilized in creation. It's almost like the periodic table of elements, that everything that's in the universe is made up of, you know, of a combination of the periodic table elements. So everything is made up of a different combination of, of atoms and molecules. Anything you'll ever encounter in this entire universe is all, is all made up of that, of, of some sort of combination of those inherent, those building blocks. And the Hebrew letters and their different permutations and numeric values are what gives everything its life force, its divine life force. So uh, the reason that a rock is a rock uh, is because that the Hebrew letters that go into making the word for rock are they, they create the, the, those permutations of the Hebrew letters uh, create this object called a rock, and it has a certain divine energy connected with those Hebrew letters which connect it with the divine. And each item in creation has a similar thing. So when it comes to a person's name, even just their first name, their Hebrew name, um, that you don't even have to go to the numbers, even just the letters and the, uh, the person that the, 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 whoever the person is named after or, uh, or, or, or certain, uh, certain valuable, uh, 
valuable teachings within each letter, and the combination of those letters can can be very telling about an individual. That, that you as an individual, let's say a person's name is the Avraham, okay? So Avraham, and you were named after your grandfather who was named Avraham, and he was named after his grandfather that was named Avraham, and so forth, all the way back to the original Avraham, the original Abraham. So there's a link connecting you to all these Abrahams in your family, all the way back to the original Abraham. Mm-hmm. And just because you have that name, some, there's something about even the original Abraham that has filtered even throughout the generations and gives you a certain energy and life force that is manifest in the name Avraham, that you bear a similarity because of the name to the forebearers and to ultimately to the original Avraham who lived Four thousand years ago, and I'm going to ask our so, producer to put yeah, sure. some some of these texts in the uh, in the show notes because in our in our pregame research we don't have time to go into it now, but there are actually a few books on Kabbalistic interpretations based on gematria of names. So there's there is some stuff out there I can't speak to, and I'm sure the rabbi will will want to endorse it without seeing it. But there there is some stuff out there, and also by by some credible folks, one of whom has been actually on the program before. Okay, so uh, Rabbi, let's. Um, I'm trying to think, should we do a last number? Well, actually, you know what? I, I can't let an equal footing show go by without quoting a stat. Uh, those regular listeners know that I'm in love with statistics. I was able to find, that's not fair, our producer, wonderful producer, Leah, was able to find a Pew Research Report from October 2018, which I think you would actually get a kick of looking at it in its entirety because it has to do with people's belief in all sorts of things in the realm of the supernatural and the superstitious. And only 8% of Americans, it's a pretty broad poll, over 1,000 people, over eight, only 8%, um, excuse me, yes, 8% believe in numerology overall. By the way, compared to over 30% who believe in astrology, which is going through a kind of a renaissance now, probably more popular since, than ever since the 1970s, only 8%. But Jewish respondents of all kind of, Degrees of, of, of observance in Judaism, almost 35% of Jewish respondents believe in numerology. Pretty cool. Worthy of a show. <laughs> okay. Um, there's, I love this, this tongue in cheek question. I actually had it as well as, as one of the questions I want to ask you. Um, it, 42 in Judaism. Is there a meaning of 42? There, there's one of the divine names. Um, adds up to adds up to forty two. You know, we we can we can we can do this. There 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 is actually there there are some great books out there that talk about that go through each number in the each number across the board. Uh, number, you know, one, two, and all the way up, and all the significant numbers. Um, I'd be happy to send it to you or or a few of them uh, after the show. And and any folks that want to kind of check out sort of the undergirding similarities between numbers can can feel free to you know ha- have added and explore any number that they've been curious over um, I, think, I think as it comes to number 42 at first i'd love to get that please send it over uh there's probably sure. at least one or two listeners kind of jumping out of their chair with their hands up because uh the number 42 in the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy by douglas adams a great theologian uh, is yeah. supposed to be the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. It was calculated by the supercomputer Deep Thought over a period of 7.5 million years. So that's that's another definition of number four. So you, you know what else? 
in math, uh, this is this goes way back, and I, I'm somewhat embarrassed to say it in the air, but I started in college as in, uh, studying math and quickly learned that I wasn't smart enough to pursue that uh, life-wise. But there's only um, there's only been two numbers in that in the sum of the three cubes problem, which is a very well-known kind of math problem where you try to come up with a number that's that is the sum of three cubes, and the only two that kind of have remained unsolved. Um, and one is 42. Um, so, you know, at, you know, on the broader subject, then I'm, I'm going to ask you one last question, one last number. Rabbi, here's a, uh, here's a tough one. What do Prince Carl Jung, Yuri Geller, the sixth century Byzantine physician, Amideus, Jim Carrey, the Oxford professor of math, Marcus de Santoy, and David Beckham have in common? That's, that's, uh, wow. <laughs> they all have names. That's one. I have no idea. <laughs> they all believed, for those who have passed and those who are still alive, believe slash believed in Gamatria. Pretty cool. Very cool. Um, Rabbi, let's end with Echad, with one. And kind of joking aside, to me, what brought me back, I was born Jewish, grew up Jewish, but spent a good portion, 15 years of my life kind of sojourning in the Eastern faiths, lived in an ashram in India, etc. What brought me back was Echad, was one, and the connection to other elements of my spiritual journey and the really the understanding of the, of, of the Shema in that regard, or the ongoing life journey of understanding. But talk to us about the num. Let's finish on the number one. What is that about in Judaism? And is it more important than eighteen and others that we're that we kind of focus on? Well, every number has its own inherent value. It's hard to say one is more important than the other. Like like saying red is better than blue. It's, they're just they're, they each have, they each are their own thing. But echad one is is essentially the root of everything of Judaism. The the quintessential prayer of Judaism is Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Not that we believe in one God, but that we believe in the oneness of God. That all it all stems from God and His oneness. And if you break down everything in creation, you know, first, no matter what it is, the chair in front of you, the floor, you yourself, your shoes, whatever you have in front of you, and you break it down, you could break it down to a molecular level, then to an atomic level, then to a subatomic level, and you get down to quarks and what, and all, at the end of the day, it's all one unified sort of energy force. The universe is essentially a oneness and a divine expression of uh, of God's one, and that is that is a physical manifestation of uh, of the spiritual oneness of God. Uh, everything is rooted in God. Everything stems from God. Everything is a creation of God, and each thing, each item in the universe is meant to be like an artist painting on a canvas is some is revealing something about our one God. One love, one